said to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pehahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over the Gelbalsiphon, before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh, upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am Jehovah. And they did so. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, 600 chosen chariots, the chariots of Egypt, and his army, and they overtook them encamping by the sea, beside Pehahiroth, before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, we may serve the Egyptians. It better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. As the children of Israel are on their way out of Egypt, they camped at the edge of the wilderness at a place called Etham. And Moses makes note of the fact that the pillar of cloud led them by day and it was also a pillar of fire to give light by night. The Lord himself was in the pillar of cloud and fire. Well, next is the deliverance from the army of Pharaoh. As the Israelites are caught in what appears to be a trap between the army and the Red Sea. With details, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Exodus chapter 13, verse 20. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with our studies in the book of Exodus. And I sincerely hope that you do not think that I'm going too slow. But when I see these truths uh, pictured for us in Exodus, I can't help but just kind of give me those little nuggets of truth as we go along the way to make a personal application for my own heart and your heart. For you remember, as Paul wrote, that these were written for our admonition unto whom the end of the age has come. And we're down in chapter 13, and in 17 to 22, to the end of the chapter, we have, God has led the people to a place called Etham, E-T-H-A-M. Uh, and you remember, the Lord wouldn't allow them to go um, by way of the Philistines. Remember, again, if you take your, uh, your map at the back of your Bible, you notice to go from Egypt to Canaan, the simplest way would have been to have gone right up through the land of the Philistines. And in a very short space of time, they would have been in Canaan. But remember, this is a, uh, this is a, a race of slaves. They know nothing of warfare. So 
for God, I thank God, and his tenderness. Uh, I said, I'm not going to send them up that way. I will lead them a different way. Well, you say, why didn't God take care of them and send them that way? Well, we shall see. There's a purpose in it. God always has a purpose in it. We shall see. In verse 18, and God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And Moses took the bones of Joseph as he had been required. Now, verse 20, and they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and by night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, this is put in here for us to realize, as you go on down through your Bible in the book of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you'll notice that you have the, 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 the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Here you have God not only selecting the path for them, but he, he sent them into the wilderness. But why go to the wilderness? That's a terrible place to send them. Remember, there's a race of slaves, over three million. He's going to put them in a wilderness. Why not shoot them right through into Canaan, the promised land? No, no. They've got to learn something. Remember, they have to learn lessons. Why didn't God take you and me and take us to glory the moment we were saved? Oh, no. We have to learn a few things in the place to learn them is down here. When we get to glory, we won't need to learn them. You don't experience the power of God in glory. You won't win souls to Christ in glory. You won't be tested and tried of your faith in glory. We're going to do that now for a purpose. Let me Allow me to read, for example, from the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy. I'm starting just for two or three verses. Verse 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. What for? Why did you lead them 40 years in the wilderness? To humble them, to prove them, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled you. He suffered you to hunger. He fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither your fathers knew. And he might make you know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Your raiment waxed not old upon you, neither did your foot swell these forty years. My, what a lesson. He took this race, this whole nation, and took them into a wilderness, the howling wilderness, a terrible place, as the Bible says. And he kept them for 40 years to prove them, to refine them. They had no drugstores. They had no doctors. They had no warriors. How about their clothes? They didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wax old. What about their feet? For 40 years traveling in that hot wilderness, their feet didn't swell. What about their food? God fed them bread from heaven. When they wanted flesh, he gave them the quails. When they were thirsty, he split the rock and gave them water. Why? 
God wanted to teach them. God wanted to test them. God wanted to prove them. I come back again to the question, why doesn't God take you and me home? The moment we're saved is because he has a purpose in it. Now look at it. We go on down to verse 21, 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them on the way. Remember, the Lord went before them and he was with them. He led them by a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He knew all the dangers. He selected the path and he walked with them. And God selects your path and my path and he walks with us. As Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28 says, I will, Lo, I am with you all the way, even at the end of the age. I repeat it, he knew all the dangers. He knew the full program. He knew the whole score. He went before them. He was their guide. I will guide you with my eye. You remember that? He was their light. Well, weren't there any dangers there? Of course there were dangers there. What, was he not with them? Would he not go before them? He was with them. He kept them. He sheltered them. He guided them. He fed them. He clothed them. Every need was supplied. My, you say, what a God that is. To take a race of slaves and do that for them. Well, my friend, my Christian friend, he does that for you. You remember Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We have not a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was tested in all points as we are without sin. Therefore, let us come with boldness to the throne of grace and there obtain mercy and find grace to help in every time of need. Come with boldness. Who does he say to come with boldness? Those who are in need. Those who need mercy. Do you have a need? Do you need mercy? He says, come with boldness to the throne of grace. He's talking to his people. You have a right to come. As I've said before, no one has more right to come in the presence of God than his own children, whom he bought for himself, redeemed by precious blood. See, friend, he's my father. He's your father. And he leads us. He knows what's the best thing for us. Just as you parents know what's the best thing for your children. You train them, you teach them, you lead them, you guide them, you care for them. They, you love them, and they trust you. Sometimes when they can't see, they still trust you. So with God and his people, he loves us, cares for us, wants to guide us and direct us and teach us. And sometimes the lessons are tough, but he's right there to give you the strength and the understanding to learn them. Let's look at this for a moment. Verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them on the way. You ever stop to think of it? His provision for them, a cloud by day. A cloud by day. That, and by the way, that cloud was different to any other cloud. This was a special cloud. It was not carried away by the wind. And as you know, in deserts, they have these winds not, didn't affect this cloud. And it preserved its identity for 40 years. This one cloud was always with them. Every day it was with them to guide them, 
to protect them, take care of them. It moved in a specific direction. God guided them. Remember that. Remember that. And when the sun was blazing hot in that wilderness, that howling wilderness, that oven, the cloud was over them, protecting them from the heat of the sun, directing them. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the cloud moved, they moved with the cloud. God in their midst. Friend, listen. You say to me, Mr. Mitchell Barr, wouldn't that be wonderful? Some of you can see. Listen, God has given to you the word of God to direct you, to lead you. Doesn't the psalmist say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? The word of God is given to you and to me to direct us day by day, hour by hour. And the Spirit of God here is to direct us, but he uses the word of God. I'm not, I'm not opposed to miracles. I question very much if God uses a miracle unless there's a need for it. He would rather direct us through his word. God's working in us. And sometimes, sometimes our very prayers for deliverance from tests or trials, oftentimes, are contrary to the purpose of God. He tests and trials it for a purpose. As we said here in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, I led you these 40 years in this howling wilderness, what for? To prove you, to test you. You'll come to know the living God. How do you come to know the living God? Well, let me go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are his craftsmanship. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, we should walk in them. We are his craftsmanship. What do you mean? He leaves us down here, and the tests and trials of life oftentimes are used by God for the perfecting of his saints. You know, we were quarried out of the quarry of stone, and he, and he shapes us, and he moves us, and he polishes us, and he grinds us, and all these other things. What for? Because he's got a special place for us in his temple. As Ephesians chapter 2 says, we are stones in the building. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 2. Each one has a particular place in the body of Christ, a particular place in the temple of God. And we're down here uh, being cut, being ground, being uh, fitted for the place God has for us. You see, God is not working without a purpose. That wouldn't be God. Well, if he loved me, he wouldn't let me go through all this. That's why he loves you. He's perfecting you for something for the which you will thank God to eternity. Most of us murmur all the time. And may I refresh your memory when I say that murmuring is always against God. Take this people of Israel. The book of Numbers, I read that ten times they murmured against God. Ten times they murmured against God. The God who delivered them out of Egypt. The God who redeemed them. The God who took them out of slavery. The God who clothed them and fed them and took care of them. They murmured, murmured, murmured. We don't murmur at people. We murmur against God. May the Lord deliver us. So you have, you have this question of the cloud. It directed them. It was not carried away by the wind. 
It preserved its identity for 40 years. It moved in a specific direction, and it sheltered them from the heat and the enemy. But he also, what about nighttime? Oh, brother, I don't mind going through the day under a cloud, but what about night? And I read, and by night he led them by a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. And for 40 years he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before his people. Now, you see, the fire, it dispersed their fears in the wilderness. It was a clear guide in darkness. You know, God says, I will guide thee with mine eye. Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't the Lord Jesus ever with you? Didn't he say, lo, I am with you all the way, even to the end of the age? Didn't he say, all authority is mine in heaven and in earth? Didn't he say that? He'll never leave us. All authority is his. And he leads us. And he guides us. And he ever dwells in our midst. But remember, Hebrews chapter 12 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Yes, that speaks of his holy character with respect to judgment. And the Lord's in our midst, and he judges his people. Day by day, the Spirit of God convicts us of things we do that we shouldn't do. He's still guiding us. He's still directing us. You see. Now, when you come to chapter 14, we have where they crossed the Red Sea. This is an amazing chapter, chapter 14. I want you to mark the Lord led them into a trap. I mentioned that a while ago, and I'm going to mention it again. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pehahiroth, between Megdal and the sea, over the Gelbal Siphon. Before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh, upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am Jehovah. And they did so. Now again, if you take a map, you will notice that they've got mountains on one side, mountains on the other side, the Red Sea in front of them, and what happens? Now along comes the Egyptians behind them, right in a trap. Did God leave them in the trap? Oh, no. Oh, no. Let me go on. It was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have you done this to let people of Israel go from serving us? Why, we've, we're crazy, says Pharaoh, to allow that over three million slaves to lead us. We've had them all these centuries. They've built us our palaces and roads and everything else, and we've let them go. And see where they are. See where they are. They're in a trap. They're in a box. We've just got them where we want them. They've got mountains on the right hand, mountains on the left hand side, and then in front of them is the, is the, uh, the Red Sea. And we come right behind them, and we've just got them in our hands. We're crazy to let them go. You can just see this going through the mind of Pharaoh. Why have we done this to let Israel go? He made ready his chair and followed him. Verse 8. Uh, verse 8. 
and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, 600 chosen chariots, the chariots of Egypt, and his army, and they overtook them in camping by the sea, beside Pehahiroth, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, we may serve the Egyptians. Be better for us to serve the Egyptians. Far better for us to be in slavery in Egypt than to die in this wilderness. You can hardly believe that. Because there were no graves in Egypt. Now you just get the picture. Here's the Red Sea in front of them. Mountains on each side. And here come the Egyptians behind them. They're in a trap. And when they saw the, that cloud of dust coming, the Egyptians coming, they got scared stiff and said to Moses, what in the world, what in the world are you doing leading us out of Egypt to be trapped like this, to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt us with us? been better for us if you had left us alone. Isn't that an amazing thing? Why did you bother us? You know, friends, they would rather be in Egypt in slavery than be in the wilderness with God. What about you? Do you know I had a sweet letter from a dear little lady in California who wrote to me and said, I just can't ex give you the exact words, but I remember the thought. She said, I would rather be alone with God, with little of this world's goods, but be with God, than have plenty and everything I want without God. What about you? To get Israel, we'd rather be in Egypt with our bellies full of leeks and garlics and cucumbers and melons. At least we were getting three meals a day and we had no fear. We were beaten up, tis true. Now you've led us into this trap, into this wilderness. There's the Red Sea ahead of us and the Egyptians behind us. What do you mean? I wish you'd left us alone. You know, friends, they're just, they're just like you and me. How easy it is for us Christians to murmur. God is leading us into something far better than we even realize. And we go through the tests and we come into the place of tests and we want to run away. We want to, we want, we, we, we want to be where we were before. As one party said, Mr. Mitchell, I've had more tests since I became a Christian than I ever had before I was a Christian. That's true. No question about that. Before you were Christian, you had no enemies. Now you've got the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Satan doesn't let his, his people go without a fight. And you've accepted the Savior. Now what is God doing? God wants to mold you and fashion you for his glory. So don't rebel and don't murmur at the tests and trials you go through. He's with you. And he's always on time. He'll deliver you when he wants to. He'll do it. All he wants is you. Amazing thing. Do you think God is going to redeem a people and leave them in Egypt? I should say not. Is God going to redeem you from sin and leave you in the world on a judgment? I should say not. 
As Paul could say, God forbidded I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. You see, you have before us, at the Passover, we had substitution. The Lamb died for them. Judgment, death is past. But they're still in Egypt, so God leads them to the Red Sea. And when he leads them through the Red Sea, they're going to be delivered from Egypt. This is, this is power, as we shall see in chapter, chapter 14 and 15. Redemption is by power. So you have this question here, let us alone. I, I want to press this one thing, you see. When we come to this question of, of, of Israel, I want you to know that though God led them into a trap, he was still with them. He was still with them. And I just pray that if you are going through some test or trial now as a Christian, I just pray that you will remember God hasn't left you for one moment. But I don't feel him. It isn't a question of feeling him. It's not a question of not even seeing him. If you belong to the Savior, if you've been redeemed, he's going to bring you out of the world, out of Egypt, and he's going to bring you out of bondage. And he's going to give you a life that's beyond the ken of angels. So you trust him, and he'll not test you beyond that which you're able to bear, but will, with the temptation, open a way of escape. Now, you trust the Lord today. Whatever the test, whatever the trial may be, you trust him today. And the Lord bless you today in a wonderful way, for his name's sake. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.